This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. We were really concerned about these contaminants in drinking water and then how we could actually uh, reduce our risk of exposure through point-of-use devices. We ultimately looked at their ability to reduce contaminants in the water and then tried to put a value sign to those uh, from a health perspective. That's Dr. Mark Verhoogstraat with the University of Arizona, co-author of the Cost-Benefit Study of -of Point-of-Use Water Treatment Devices, funded by the Water Quality Research Foundation. And welcome to another episode of WQA Radio, news and insights about residential, commercial, and industrial water treatment. You can find us at wqa.org and on social media. This is episode number 138. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or most podcast apps. You can also find a link right on the WQA homepage at wqa.org. In this episode, we'll talk with Dr. Verhoogstraat about the cost-benefit study, how they calculated the lifetime economic loss to the city of Flint, Michigan from lead in drinking water, and how he sees the impact of the study in the months and years to come. Plus, we'll get a regulatory update from Kathleen Foltz, and I'll have our WQA tip. Now on to my conversation with Dr. Mark Verhoogstraat with the University of Arizona on WQA Radio. Hey, Mark, thank you very much for joining us on WQA Radio. Great to have you on the program. Hi, Wes. Thank you for having me. Hey, could you start with just a little bit of your background and tell us uh, how you got involved in WQRF's cost-benefit study as well? Absolutely, yeah. So my background is actually water microbiology, uh, primarily at the uh, interface of fecal contamination and surface waters. Uh, But now I'm actually working more in the intersection of public health and water quality microbiology. And this has to do everything with drinking water, irrigation water and food safety, plumbing systems, and how they relate to hospital-acquired infections. And I actually just started a project on oyster safety over in Southern California. Um, How I actually became involved in the WQRF cost-benefit study Um, Started back in 2015, I believe, when I was a postdoc researcher with Dr. Kelly Reynolds at the University of Arizona, Um, and we were working really closely with Dr. Chuck Gerba, uh, who already had the WQRF cost-benefit study ongoing. Uh, And I saw a really great opportunity to become um, involved in this project and saw the opportunities to learn more about point-of-use devices and water quality other than microorganisms, which has been my background up to that point. So I jumped into the project and it just kind of happened where I was able to take the lead on this. And really, um, we really turned into a really great project. As a team, this turned into a fantastic opportunity and a great final product. And going back to your background, your uh, PhD is in what again, or if you mentioned? Yep, water quality microbiology, and that was from Michigan State University, and I studied with Dr. Joan Rose, who's heavily involved in um, water quality microbiology and public health. Okay, and if you could just give the 30-second elevator pitch for the cost-benefit study. Yes, so the cost-benefit study started off uh, looking at 
all of the point of use devices for five or six primary contaminants. Um, that's included uh, microorganisms, lead, arsenic, um, cadmium, and hexavalent chromium, I believe, and maybe nickel and nitrates. So uh, we were really concerned about these contaminants in drinking water and then how we could actually uh, reduce our risk of exposure through point of use devices. We ultimately looked at their ability to reduce contaminants in the water and then tried to put a value sign to those uh, from a health perspective. Uh, so for instance, for arsenic, we were concerned with cancer. For microorganisms, we were more concerned with gastrointestinal disease. So uh, Mark, we've seen the results of the lead publication that you calculated a lifetime economic loss to the community of Flint. It, 435 million, I believe it was. What does lifetime economic loss mean? If you could, under, if you could help us understand what that calculation includes. Yes, that's a great question. Um, so in this case, the lifetime economic loss quite literally means the financial cost of drinking water with lead in it as it pertains to IQ points lost over a person's 70-year lifetime. And so how did you come up with the $435 million exactly, and what does that represent? Yeah, that's actually a really good question as well. Um, so we ended up doing a cost-benefit analysis on an individual basis, um, but because we have the uh, information on population size and demographics and household size for the Flint community, we were able to extrapolate from an individual cost-benefit um, and impact, economic loss impact, uh, to a community level. And how we actually got from the individual level um, to the community level was actually quite complex. Uh, we can do a cost-benefit analysis because we know the lifetime economic loss per IQ point is roughly $22,000. So for every single IQ point lost, a person can expect to lose over $22,000 um, just from that one single IQ point loss. Okay, so we know what the cost is, Mark. So the, the cost-benefit, if we're looking at a cost-benefit study, then the benefit would have meant that had point-of-use devices been utilized, you would have seen a savings? That's correct, yeah. And we were able to identify actually uh, very specific points of lead concentrations in water where it would be beneficial um, from a cost standpoint to use point-of-use devices. This calculator, this calculation is based off of the lifetime cost of lead exposure with no treatment, assuming somebody was drinking water without any point of use treatment, um, and all of that lead was going into their body and manifesting as lost IQ points. Uh, and from that total cost, then we would subtract the cost of a reduced lead exposure if we were using point of use devices, therefore our levels of lead exposure would be much lower plus that lifetime cost of operating and maintaining a point-of-use device. So what have you been able to do with these findings? And I, I know you've been out presenting these results at conferences. And how, tell, tell us how that's been going. Yeah, so we've, I've presented this at um, multiple conferences. The first one um, that we presented at was in 2018. This was the joint conference for the University of North Carolina Water Microbiology Conference, which was held in conjunction with the Health-Related Water Microbiology Conference uh, subset of the International Water Association. Um, this, this conference really brings together water microbiologists from across the U.S. and the world, um, especially those that are concerned with public health. Um, so I presented um, 
twice at that conference. One, I presented the microorganism analysis of this larger cost-benefit analysis project. Um, and the second was to present in the side session focused on disaster preparedness. Uh, this was focused on changing climate and opportunities for water to be contaminated following natural disasters and how we can better prepare for that. Uh, it was really great presenting at this conference. We had um, from both sessions, the study was well received. Uh, it's the first time that a lot of scientists had finally seen point of use devices and costs discussed in terms that consumers uh, truly understand and need. And I mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago that we were able to identify these economic break-even points where the specific lead water concentrations where treatment costs and lifetime economic costs are even, are equal. And so above those concentrations, it, there would be a financial benefit to using point-of-use device to protect against lead exposure. Uh, the other, I actually just got back from a conference too, and that was the AWWA ACE conference. Uh, and I'm sure most of your listeners know that the American Water Works Association, it's this international group of scientists and educators, all dedicated to providing total water solutions uh, for effective water management. Um, the audience that I had interacted with, they responded this extremely favorable to this study. Uh, they all recognize that water and health, it's a complex uh, system, and there's really a lot to consider. Uh, following the presentation, the scientists that stuck around really had some great questions on variable, on um, primarily the variables that we used and how to improve the accuracy of the model in order to best protect the consumer of drinking water. It was a fantastic conference, AWWA, and I'm glad I had the opportunity to go to that one. So it sounds like there's a little more acceptance uh, with uh, municipalities uh, using POU devices? Yes, great question. Um, so certainly I can't speak for everyone at AWWA and all municipalities. It's a really large conference, but truly the interactions I had uh, indicate the importance of all water. Uh, that is drinking water, wastewater, and gray water. Um, and we all discussed the role of point of use devices in this one water approach as a single approach, as a one approach to protect public health throughout the system. So, going on from here, how do you feel the study will continue to be utilized and how can our members make use of it as well and what kind of impact do you think it can have in the, in the days and months and years ahead? I just mentioned One Water. Uh, one Water is what scientists, what we've been referring to as all water has value um, and must, must be managed holistically and sustainably. This includes drinking water and wastewater, stormwater, gray water, surface water, groundwater, and all of those. Um, we know that human population is growing, and that's putting a huge strain on water quantity and distribution systems. Uh, therefore, humans are actually going out and we're exploring uh, increased reliance on non-traditional water sources like reclaimed water. And so that's introducing new and unexpected concerns in our drinking water systems. So point-of-use devices here offer one more barrier to protection. Um, I really see the future of WQA and WQRF um, and the point-of-use industry by really looking at the, the uh, faster response time protecting public health from emerging contaminants. We all hear in the news that there's a new chemical or a new contaminant in our drinking water and I really feel like WQA, WQRF, 
has an obligation and has the potential to respond to concerns faster than the federal government. Perhaps there's the opportunity for the industry to team up with researchers across the country and provide rapid research grants where we can go out and assess the ability for point-of-use devices to prevent exposure to emerging contaminants. Well, that was very well said, and it uh, it gives some comfort, I think, to those of us in the industry who are looking to see our impact grow even stronger and, of course, to see real data backing up the kinds of things that we feel are definitely true but obviously need to persuade others that that is the case. So uh, great to see uh, and hear what your results have shown so far. Anything more to be done on this study, Mark? On this study, I think actually the next step would be one more one more study, and that is that this study actually looked at the contaminants individually. That is, we looked at microorganisms separately from lead, and we looked at one point-of-use device to control one contaminant. But the future of science is actually moving towards uh, co-exposures, how we're being exposed to microorganisms and lead. And we all know that usually there are multiple trains in a point-of-use device system or in water treatment. And so I think maybe the next step could be assessing multiple contaminants and performing a holistic cost-benefit analysis for multiple-step point-of-use devices. So in my mind, if I had uh, another project, this is exactly where I would go down with this uh, cost-benefit analysis. All right. Well, Mark, thank you very much for giving us the details on this study and uh, keeping us informed. We appreciate it very much. Yes, thank you, Wes. The pleasure's all mine, and thanks for this opportunity to chat with your listeners. Mark Verhoogstraat from the University of Arizona and co-author of the Cost-Benefit of POU Devices Study, which was funded by the Water Quality Research Foundation. Again, Mark, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. This is Kathleen Fultz, WQA's Global Regulatory and Government Affairs Manager with your regulatory update. Florida's 2020 legislative session begins in January, but the filing deadline for bills is November 22nd of 2019. Already prepared for next year is Senate Bill 168 on lead in schools, which includes installing filters as a remediation measure. As other states wrap up the 2019 legislative calendars, keep an eye out for bills pre-filed for the next session. You can read the full Florida bill and review other proposed legislation we are tracking by visiting the WQA.org Government Affairs webpage. I'm Kathleen Fultz for WQA Radio. And now our WQA tip. The WQA professional recertification deadline is coming up. September 30th is the date. The number of continuing professional development credits required depends on the certification title or titles held by the certificant. To avoid any late fees or decertification, you wouldn't want that, all credits have to be turned in, recertification invoice paid, by September 30th, 2019. All right, so that's coming up. September 30th, the deadline for recertification. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, news and insights about residential, commercial, and industrial water treatment. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just search for WQA Radio, then hit subscribe. Each new podcast will appear in your podcast catcher or podcast player automatically each week. That's the magic of podcasting. 
and be sure to rate and review the podcast as well. Learn more about water at wqa.org and learn more about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at wqa.org. This is Wes Bleed. So long from WQA Radio.